This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. I'm really excited today to have a longtime friend, a partner in ministry. Uh, we go back, golly, nearly four decades or so, three and a half decades. And that's uh, Dan Bernard, and he's the president and founder of Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. And uh, I know it gets confusing because people go, well, I thought you're the founder. I'm the founder of Somebody Cares Houston, Somebody Cares American International. We have autonomous chapters across the country and around the world. In fact, uh, Dan, you were the first one after Houston to actually have an official chapter. And so in 1997, you started Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. Well, let me kind of set the tone here for the message today. Uh, I just want to read something to everyone that I wrote back in 2016, prior to the uh, elections, national elections there. And and boy, we've seen things four years later actually uh, become magnified. But I wrote down, regardless of whatever variance of points of view politically many of us may have, the church needs to find unity in our diversity so we can be a plumb line of healing and hope within a culture of so much division. Wow, that's prophetically four years later, that's become magnified. And I put down, it was November 2nd, 2016, was the day of the seventh game of the World Series. And I was ministering at Woods Edge Church in Woodlands, Texas, at the request of a friend, Pastor Jeff Wells. And it turned out to be a regional prayer gathering on that night. And I thought, well, who's gonna show up on the seventh day of the World Series? But I noticed it was a packed house. People came and they were hungry to come. But I also noticed people that had their, their Chicago Cubs and they also had their Cleveland Indian paraphernalia on, even at the service. So I realized they were thinking about the, the, their team of choice for that evening of the seventh game of the World Series. So as I got up to speak, I asked the crowd, how many of you are Cubs fans? And of course, many enthusiastically responded in affirmation and they began to cheer. And I got a similar response when I asked, well, how many of you are are Cleveland Indian fans. And then I said, well, tomorrow, some of you are going to be celebrating because your team won the championship. But some of you will be sad and disappointed because your team did not. Some of you, as you begin to look at the process, will be glad, some sad. But at the end of the day, no matter who wins or who loses, you'll still be Christians, right? You see, you may be members of the body of Christ, but you also have to be cognizant of our areas of personal preferences and divisions that maybe could separate us, but we have more in common than we have that divides us. So I went on to say, in a few days, the presidential election will occur, and many of us maybe have different political preferences and strong opinions. But at the end of the day, some of us will be ecstatic that our, that our politicians of choice or our, our political party won and others will be extremely saddened and disappointed because their party lost or because of their political uh, politicians of choice lost. But we must remember that our hope is not in the institutions of men, nor in a candidate or a political party. Our hope is in the hope of glory, Christ Jesus. When the election is over, we will still be Christians, right? And as such, we should reflect Christ even in our differences Will we be Christ-like and love those who may disagree with us? I see and look back now these four years, how prophetic that was. And I've seen more division in the body of Christ than ever. And we bought into drinking the Kool-Aid and we're letting 
uh, pundits and others and media uh, try to divide us. And yet, if we are going to see a healing in the nation, then it's going to take the church to cross its racial, denominational, generational lines. We might have strong disagreements on areas of personal preference, even political views, but we've got to recognize at the centrality of the cross that we're one blood of every nation. We're one new man, it says in Ephesians 2. We put down the dividing wall because we are the body of Christ. And it's because of the grace of God at the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection that we have far more in common that divides us. And yet, if we're going to heal the, the wounded soul of a nation, there is such a battle for the soul of our nation. It's been a, a battle for the moral soul. But now I look at and see that we are literally in a fight for our nation. And, uh, and the only hope for our nation is that the church recognizes that we've got to cross our barriers, even in our differences. I'm not saying unity in uniformity, but unity that comes together even in our diversity, but agreeing together that we're far more... Uh, uh, united in the things of Christ and things that will divide us. And we can't just believe every word that's out there. We have to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And too often we are knee-jerk and we respond to uh, sound bites that we see on television or hear on the radio, and we end up letting the, the world divide us and conquer us. And so one of our biggest challenges in our society today is a lack of civility and character we display even in our disagreements in the church as well. I've never seen so many people who are so adamant and opinionated, politically and otherwise, that they allow their preferences to divide their families, their friendships, and even their churches. It's painful and heartbreaking, especially from those representing Christ on both sides of the political preference spectrum. But yet we realize that the only unshakable kingdom is the kingdom of God. And oftentimes, we bring in too many of our own filters. We bring in too many of our personal opinions and our preferences. But uh, we need to come together and realize that we have a far more important uh, message here. It's not just about our views, but it's about now. How do we represent Christ in a very lawless generation in society? The unleashing of the lawless one, it says in Second Thessalonians 2, is being unleashed. And the only thing that keeps us from falling into that trap is a love for the truth, because if we lose our love for the truth, we're turned over to strong delusion. And Dan, you and I have gone back many, many years. In fact, uh, tell a little bit of the story how we first met. It was in 1980-something, wasn't it? Right. You know, basically, I came to a new experience in the Lord and um, as a pastor over in Bryan, Texas, and which led me to start going out to the streets and preaching in the streets and the, into the projects and so forth. And then going in front of, uh, you know, the Dixie Chicken and so forth, the bars in, in, in College Station with Texas A&M University. And I got some of the university kids to start going out with me. And, and it just so happened that some of them also had gone down to Westheimer down there with you. Westheimer at that time was the highest crime uh, uh, area in the state of Texas, lower Westheimer of Houston, Texas. So, yeah. So they said, hey, you got to meet this guy, Doug Stringer. He, you know, he's out there, you know, even in a worse part and that kind of thing. And so I said, okay, so I think I called you up and you said, come on down. So we came on down. I slept a couple nights in your apartment and things like that and did some all-nighters and ate some sushi for the first time and so forth. So, yeah, so that's how it started. Now, uh, that would have been in 1980, what, when you were pastoring? You were pastoring. Uh, I, think it, I think it was in like in 85, something like that. Yeah. It's been a long time. Almost yep. 35 years then. 
And uh, but you had a great ministry in Bryan College Station, working with uh, university students at Texas A&M, but also going to the streets and helping the homeless, helping the needy, those who were getting out of uh, addictive behaviors. And uh, so we had a similar kind of DNA and heart because at that time I was working with a lot of gang members, at-risk youth, uh, runaways, street kids, prostitutes. And uh, so we both had a similar start in our heart for that kind of ministry and that really connected us at the hip. And then later you went on to become missionaries actually in Nigeria, you and your family. Yeah, we, we've uh, we got about, uh, just went there, did the same thing, went out there as an independent missionary we couldn't raise enough money and no mission agency would take us. So we just said, we're just, well, but God's called us, we're going. So we went anyway and uh, went out to start preaching in the streets. Young men came and uh, got saved. We started discipling them, brought them in and, uh, you know, just did the same thing we were doing in the United States, just did it in Nigeria. And from these uh, men that we discipled, they became pastors and uh, we gave them a vision of reaching as a third world, from a third world country, reaching unreached peoples. And so they went out and reached the Ijo people uh, one of our main guys is uh, Wilson Okotie, and of course now we have um, we have 16 churches over there, and and 14 of them are among the unreached Ijo people. So very excited. Yep, that's a, so did that, and uh, of course we weren't there to build our own uh, you know missionary kingdom. Uh, we raised it up, turned it over, let them be self-sustaining and self-supporting, and came back here to the United States, and that's where we start praying and seeking God and. Um, God led us back to our hometown of Clearwater, Florida, and he put that this area on our heart. And of course, that's where I'm born and raised. And and uh, we started it started to, uh, we, with the vision of bringing people together across racial denominational lines, uh, like we've always said, doing more together than we can apart. And, uh, and it, God was just in it. It started just exploding. God had already dropped this in the heart of so many pastors. Uh, we had our first meeting uh, in uh, in February of 1997. And then all of a sudden other intercessors and people picked it up. And then we had a meeting in St. Pete. Then we had a meeting in Tampa. And all of a sudden, you know, within six months, we've got, you know, all these pastors coming together in three different cities that make up the greater Tampa Bay area. And I called Jeff and I said, Doug, you know, I mean, these guys, these pastors are loving what we're doing here. But the bottom line is that, you know, they think our name is too long. You know, at that time it was the bride of Christ at the Bay of the Holy Spirit, because originally Tampa Bay was called the Bay of the Holy Spirit. And so they said, yeah, we love we love what's going on. love what God's doing, but the name is too long. And I said, so I called him and said, Doug, you know, uh, you know, we're looking to just, what we, and you said, you know, our, our vision is to, you know, not to take what we're doing here in Houston and duplicate it, you know, across the country and, and, and other places. And I said, okay. And I said, well, so I took the name, somebody cares, brought it to the pastors and they said, we love the name. So you came over, do you remember that special night? You came over with doc, uh, Dr. Bill Anderson and others. And, uh, you know, what happened was that the, the, the local television station heard what was going on and they wanted to do the unity meeting right within their studio. So we had 126 pastors come in, sign a covenant of unity. And of course, at that time, we officially adopted the name Somebody Cares. And of course, you you are uh, one of our main speakers for that night. So that's how it all started. <laughs> well, I know in my book that, I, that was published in 2001, uh, originally it was called Passion for God, Compassion for Souls, and then it was called uh, The Net That Works, and, uh, and then Mending the Net, but it became known as our Somebody Cares book, uh, A God Living Out Your Faith, and, it, and that book keeps recirculating, so we tell some of your story in there because it was such an important uh, point, and also we have the covenant of unity, I believe, in there that you had adopted, right. 
that was a powerful night that we spent. It was an evening, had that 126 pastors in a television studio live and doing this was a powerful moment. And God has expanded your vision incredibly since those days. And, and you've really lived by the redemptive value of the original name of the Tampa Bay area called the Bay of the Holy Spirit. And you've really been speaking into that, nurturing that. And, and that's the redemptive value of what God wants for the region, even in spite of all that you saw going on. And, uh, and that really is a transformational story. And we can go on and on about even how you filled up baseball stadiums with, with uh, Raise the Roof. And we've been a part of that. And, and the monthly giving out of food and truckloads of resources to the different churches to reach their communities. So it's not something you just had a good idea about. It's something you've been nurturing for all these decades. And it's powerful to see the influence that God has given you there at Somebody Cares Tampa Bay and far beyond. You've produced a movie called The Favorite. Uh, tell us a little bit about that real quick. Well, you know, my, my son was uh, pursuing, he was a graduate from the University of South Central Florida. Uh, he was in drama and theater, got all the major roles there and went out to LA to pursue an acting career. And, uh, you know, one night we, um, I get a call. Actually, I was in a Houston airport at the time. He's out pursuing this acting career and uh, get a call from his employer. He was also, you know, waiting tables and so forth at a Seasons 52 restaurant, kind of upper scale restaurant. But he said, hey, we haven't seen Luke in like three days. And just all of his, co you know, co co-workers, they don't know where he's at. I'm like, he said, well, I'm, I'm thinking something's really wrong. I said, no, something's really wrong because he's a starving actor. He needs that job, you know, so uh so we started calling around and found out that, yeah, you know, he had, after calling around, we finally found that he was in a, in a car accident. He's in the emergency room. They had removed a four by five inch piece of his skull, allow his brain to swell to hopefully try to save his life. Broken vertebrae, all kinds of other injuries. And so were ribs broken, what have you. And um, so finally got the, the neurosurgeon was on the phone with me and he said, Mr. Bernard, all I can tell you is that you need to get here as soon as possible. Don't know if he's going to, don't know if he's going to live. Um, and uh, so, of course, a pretty traumatic thing. I got, uh, got to there at the Houston Hobby, you know, got to change our flight, went directly, canceled back to Tampa, went to Houston. I mean, went to LA and just began to, to mobilize everybody to pray. God just rose up in me and just said, hey, uh, you know, we, we, did, we started just going warfare prayer because we're just saying, there's no way, Satan, you can't have my son. And we began to pray like that. The end of the story is, of course, that, you know, 11 days later, he did wake up. Uh, he had a miraculous recovery. Six weeks went goes by, and he's out of the hospital. Uh, he's supposed to get his re replacement of his skull. In, you know, a year later, it was the, you know the next month he got the replacement done. Six months, you know, after the accident, he's going scuba diving. So it's just unbelievable. And uh, and then within that period of time too, you know, people with TBI they can't sleep. And but one night he had this deep sleep, and in that deep sleep he had this dream about two brothers. And he got up in the morning, told us about this dream, how these two brothers were, you know, going and they're in this car accident. And the one brother had all the same injuries as he did and his miraculous, you know, healing and so forth. And he, he's all excited about it. And I said, well, dude, we just think it would be good for his therapy. Write it down, you know, start writing your dream down. And uh, so a month later and, you know, 90 pages later, we've got this story, which becomes a script, which became the movie. So it's, it's just unbelievable, you know. Of course, never intended to be a movie producer, but when, you know, God hears your son miraculously and then he gives him a dream, which becomes a script, is like God's tapping on the shoulder saying, you know, you're going to do this. And of course, 
it uh, we went, had a limited theatrical release and Universal Studios picked up the DVD and is now playing in Pure Flix and, and of course in other, in other channels. And, and we're hoping that it's actually gonna have a theatrical release in Brazil first of the year. So, you know, touching many people's lives, of course, it's inspired by the true events that took place with, our, with, our, with, with Luke. And um, so, yeah, it's just uh, unbelievable. Um, it's amazing the, the, the paths that God takes you down, right? Well, you know, it's the crucibles of experience that gives us an authority when we do pray. Uh, you know, obviously, you were, as Leonard Ravenhill used to say to me, God doesn't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And moments like that, you know, we pray out of authentic passion and desperation. And as a result, you tap into a whole new realm of understanding of what it means to contend and to fight for the life of your family, your son. And which brings me into even what's happening right now, got to put on your heart to do what's called 50 day fight. And that really is recognizing. I think we both realize and many of us, regardless of our political uh, aisles or, or, or preferences, recognize there's a, there's a real serious battle for our, our, our nation. And the only way to bring healing to the, to the soul of our nation, I believe is the church. We have to be that plumb line of healing and hope. And, and, uh, and I think that our nation is divided, but how are we going to ever bring healing to it if the church stays divided? But that doesn't mean not people have to agree with everything I say or vice versa, but when there should be some dis- civility in our public discourse, even on social media, the advent of social media has been crazy to see how even brothers and sisters attack each other on social media because they're so strongly opinionated about their views. At the same time, what we do and say like that, we can never take back. And I think we have to filter through the process or the filtering of the word of God and relationship must be important, relational equities. And so what put on your heart to do the um, uh, to do the 50 day fight? Tell us a little bit about it. You've had I've been amazed, Daniel, that of how many people uh, that you've been able to get on there every day as 50 days of prayer and others like Gideon Stanley doing 40 days of fasting and prayer in states across the country. And you guys are now connecting and doing things around the world. Uh, America Praise is doing things. Of course, I've been a part of U.S. Cal with uh, Bishop Joseph Matera, Bishop uh, Dale Bronner. We're hosting uh, solemn assemblies virtually since we're all the COVID separation, social distancing. There's so many initiatives right now, which is encouraging to me, even if we don't agree on certain directions of how they come together, even the return was at the same time that Franklin Graham was doing his prayer march on the other side of the Washington Monument on the mall there. And then we were at the return with Jonathan Kahn and Kevin Jessup uh, on our side uh, as a day of a solemn assembly. So the, the optics was you have two different groups coming together, but many begin to cross pollinate. And you had, uh, you know, parks people saying over 100,000 people uh, between the two were there. And of course, multiple millions around the world watched. So there's a lot of, the encouraging thing to me is a lot of people are, are seeking the Lord, praying, and somewhere through all that, God's going to sort out the pray preaching versus the authenticity of crying out with passion before God. Um, but what put it on your heart to do the 50-day fight? And tell us a little bit about what that is, because, you know, I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, uh, can, uh, raise the standard, and that was what you called your gatherings in the stadiums. But um, this is really about, it's time to raise a standard for the church to raise the standard, even in our areas where we could be uh, strongly opposed to one another in certain opinions, we have a greater standard to raise, and that's the standard of Christ and, and the cross if we're going to see healing for the generation in our nation. Yeah, I don't know if you mentioned it or not, but guys, the movie is called The Favorite, 
And like like you, Doug, I, we had a, a editor from the uh, Tim Bay Times. He asked me, "Well, what 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 did you learn from this situation in with your son?" I said, "I learned that God answers united, specific, desperate prayer." Yeah. And that's exactly where we're at right now in America, where we need, as a church, we need to be united. We need to be specific of what we want God to do. And of course, we, we, we need to be really, truly heartfelt, desperate prayers uh, to see, you know, his kingdom come and his will be done. But, you know, you know, just seeing everything is going, I mean, I think all of us have seen, like, we never thought we would see an America like this that we see today. And not the America, it's not the America we grew up in. And to see all that kind of being destroyed and taken away. And, and, you know, uh, and then of course I'm, I was born on the 4th of July. And so, so I'm going like, I've always said like, Lord I need to do something. Uh, I feel like I'm called to do something for the nation and maybe this is it, you know, but uh, you know, just said, I got to do something. And just started out as this, at least for our Tampa Bay area, I want to see people come together and just praying about it and just said, you know, it's, 50 days, 50 day fight where we're going to name every day a state and pray for them, pray for the candidates. And just felt like, you know, we are, I wanted to be able to stand before God and say, God, you know, uh, I did what I could in that, in that point in time where what we were, what were we going to do as Christians, you know, to turn back the tide of evil and hate and what have you and lies and manipulation. I said, what did I do in that time? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand before God and say, God, we laid it out there. You know, we, we put it all on the line. We went for it. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, we're stewards of our own communities, but even more so collectively, as we've seen this happen, like I said, I only expected it to be a, a local thing. And then God just started breathing on it. We started getting Lieutenant Colonel Allen West and Star Parker and uh, Bishop Harry Jackson and yourself and all these people start saying, yes, I'll be on. I'll, I'll come on. And because every day we have a Zoom to li live stream, um, where we have different guests come on for 15 or so minutes, and then we have intercessors pray for the next hour or so. And of course, we're encouraging local prayer and so forth. So now, you know, we just had Bishop Harry Jackson on today, had Star Parker, who did a fabulous job. Just They're all archived. They can go back and listen to those and pray with those because uh, we did during the, the, the 11 o'clock hour. So many people get off work and they, they listen to them at night. Uh, and then we're going to, you know, as we gear up towards the end of uh, the 50 days, we're going to be start doing some uh, what we call fight nights. And uh, we got one uh, tomorrow night, a, a fight night at 10 and midnight. Uh, and then we've got Dr. Che Han. We're going to live stream him and you know what he's going on, going through over in California at 1230 on, on uh, tomorrow. And then, uh, and then we got Vance Day. He's coming back on. We're going to do a men's fight night. So the president of Promise Keepers is going to be on. So different things like that where we're uh, just doing what we can. And like you said, I as I started, and all of a sudden, and of course, you just told me America prays, all, all these different groups. I'm so encouraged, you know, as you said, regardless of who gets in, but I'm so encouraged that no, and in fact, by saying no matter who gets in, if we would keep up and we would all have this in this day, I've just seen so much of a willingness to, you know, to throw aside the titles and everything. And people just say, I'm ready. Let's join it. We have to join in. We have to join together. This is way bigger than any one of us. And because I think we all see that's more than Democrat or Republican. I think we see it as the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And I really believe that's what's happening here. And so it, it, it takes us all to come in together and to pray and to, and to see, uh, you know, God's will prevail. And I think, you know, one of the things I mentioned is that what I have a heart for is that, you know, when it's all said and done, when it's all over with, you know, God's eyes is not on America. 
is not on any particular country. It's on, on his church. It's on his bride. And out of this, what he's doing, and I, you know, I share this, and would you think it's right or not? I'll, you know, y'all let you decide. But, um, but I really believe that in this point of time that we can make a choice. I believe that as a church would choose, if it would come out and we pray that desperate, united, specific prayer, we would choose to fight. You know, just as you become a, that warrior bride, you, know, you, you begin, as the Revelation says, the bride has got herself ready. And so that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for that bride that gets herself ready, that bride that's looking to purify itself even as he is pure. And so in that process of becoming a fighter, fighting and becoming that warrior bride, you know, we get ready for the return of the Lord Jesus, right? And I said, so we either going to do that, you know, and do that out of our own volition and freedom and will, or we're going to do that out of oppression. Because what's happening is that, as we can see, that what's at stake is that our liberty is at stake. And so we can do that in a, in, a, in a free state because at the end of it all, God is going to have his bride. He's going to have his bride. And so we either can become that bride through liberty and freedom and pursuing Jesus with all of our heart, or we're going to do it, you know, through, we're going to be forced to do it out of the oppression that's going to be coming where we'll become like the, the underground church in Iran and communist China and so on. So, I mean, that's really, I think, the choices that we have before us, but that's what God's eyes are upon. I believe, you know, more so even though I think it is being a steward of our, of what America has been to the world. And that is a light. Uh, we, you know, the redemptive purposes of America is that we become that, 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 that country that has sent forth the light of the glorious gospel into the nations. And I believe that we're going to do that even in increasing measure uh, in, in the days to come, especially, you know, if we can see some of those candidates that are going to uphold those biblical values and principles uh, come to pass as they would get elected. You said a lot of great things here. We could go on for another hour. So I'm going to kind of hone in on something you said, uh, because I've been processing this, and that is there's life beyond the elections. But here's the deal. Both of us have had a heart for transformations. I'm a revivalist at heart, obviously. People like Leonard Ravenhill, big influence in my life. And and uh, you mentioned also July 4th is your birthday. That uh, July 4th was, was also Bishop uh, Roy Cossey's birthday from the Fifth Ward of Houston, who became like a spiritual papa was a spiritual father in our city apostolic father and uh went to be with the lord in his 80 late 80s and and uh so those are always special days to me not just our independence day but thinking of of friends like you that have the birthday on that day or friends like bishop you know roy Cossey. uh but you talked about this i was processing that revival will always come and we've talked about this revival will come one way or another either by choice or by circumstances and consequences. We've seen that historically. My prayer is that it would come by choice because we choose to take our knee posture and vertical worship. Uh, sadly, historically, most of the time, outpourings and revivals come because of situations or circumstances that create a consequence that we have to evaluate and either humble ourselves or shake our fist at God. And so I do believe God's gonna bring the body of Christ together one way or another. I pray though, that it would come by choice. And I think that what encourages me, there is life beyond the election. So no matter who wins the presidency, it's not just about the presidency. It's about, it's about from the lower level, all of them, school districts, all the way up. We've got to consider our nation. There's a battle for the very soul of our nation that we have to get back to, okay, God, what is it you're doing? And, and look, regardless of if I agree with past presidents, when they were elected, they became my president as a person who's an American of Asian descent. Obviously, I'm from Asian descent, but um, they were my president. I didn't have to agree with them. 
I can disagree with people strongly and still show respect or show respect for the office they carry, even in my disagreements. Today, we're living in such an unleashing of such lawlessness and anarchy and hatred. I'm thinking, I, this oh, is hard for me to, to understand. My heart's broken. I've been weeping over, like Jeremiah, weeping over the state of our nation and realizing the only way to heal the soul of our nation is for the people of God to get recognited with God and with one another so God can use the church to be the healing balm in the nation. So uh, as we pray, I'm encouraged, Dan, what you're doing and others, but we need to be praying beyond the elections. It's not just about the election, because when the election happens, I said earlier on in the podcast that end, after the election, will we still be Christians? Even if you're of a political persuasion that's different from one another, at the end of the day, will we still be Christ-like? Will we still be Christians no matter who becomes the, the president, whatever political uh, party that you, you favored, will you still be Christ-like and a Christian? Because that's our only hope. It's not in the in the institutions of men. I remember what uh, the former governor of Louisiana told me back in 2015, and he said, he said, uh, uh, America did not create religious liberties, but religious liberties created America. Mm. And I'm thinking that's so true. And and, you know, we may have a lot of issues in America, but the fundamental foundations of the day were biblical foundations. And yes, we might have a lot of issues, but you know what? Uh, if you consider of every nation in the world, there is no nation in the whole planet that has 350, 360 million people that is of every nation. We are the hodgepodge. We are the melting pot of every nation. And so it's the most ethnically diverse nation in the world. So of course we have to work through those things, but we have something to work with if we still walk in truth and civility and the church takes its rightful place before the Lord. So Dan, I know that time's running away. You've got things to do and we've got to conclude this podcast. Would you take a moment just to kind of capsulize what we talked about and then pray and then I'll close out our podcast here. Yeah, and everybody, you can go to 50 Day Fight, literally the number 50dayfight.com. Uh, and of course, you can tune in through the live stream, 50dayfight.com forward slash live. But, um, you know, uh, you know, absolutely, Doug, as you mentioned, I thought, you know, one of the things that you, you just were saying is that, and that's what the, this is really forging us to be real Christians. And, and, and you know, and they will know it, you know, maybe, maybe the best way to reach people for Christ is that, and I don't want this, but, uh, you know, but the best way to reach people for Christ is for them to see that how gracious we are in, in if our guy doesn't win or if, I, or if our people don't win, that we would still, unlike them, not have the, the hate and the vitriol and so forth, but that we would show that, that uh, support and love and grace even towards this person that we didn't want to get in, but got in. You know, I, I think that's the real key. I think what you're saying is that this is the time, this is the hour. Uh, I believe that, you know, we're, we're going to see the great end time harvest, whichever way it goes. We need to press in like never before. We got to see the church become, we call it revival, spiritual awakening. We got to get sold out to, to Jesus and, you know, fall madly in love with him and pursue him with everything we got so, th so that, you know, we can gather in that end time harvest of souls. That's what it's all about. And, uh, and we're just asking that we can do that. Uh, we, I think we'd all would prefer to do that under more liberty than we than, than oppression. And yeah. so that's what, what it's really all about. And uh, again, God's eyes are seeing, he's looking upon us and our response. And, and I, I, by the way, I believe 
that I want to encourage people that just like I talked about praying specifically is that uh, I think it's very important to pray that specific prayer. You know, it's okay uh, to pray in exactly who you want to see in office, who you believe is really, truly going to bring about those biblical principles and not just willy milly, you know, we'll just let the Lord's will be done. It's our job to know what the will of the Lord is and to begin to pray that in. That's why he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's our job, you know, as citizens of the kingdom to know the heart of the king and to pray those things in. Because you know that we have an enemy, Satan, who's going to fight against those very things. That's why we have to pray specifically for what we believe and understand in our finite minds and abilities, what that is. Well, one thing I had to do is even process, I'm not voting for a man or a woman or an individual. I'm voting right. for the platform personally, the That's platform right. that I believe will best protect those religious liberties. And I've seen lived out of the media, just the you know freedom of expression. Uh, freedom of, re of religion, freedom of speech seems to be pre predominantly one-sided that if someone disagrees, all of a sudden you want to shut them up with a cancel culture. That's a whole other conversation. Right. But it, that's not freedom of expression and speech. That's not what our Constitution established. We should be able to strongly disagree with in our public discourse with civility. And if we can't do that, then we have to go back to, to checking our own hearts, who are, whoever we are, and and I think the media has been just way it has been way out of uh, out of line, allowing a lot of this lawlessness and chaos. So, Dan, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, appreciate our long term friendship uh, and keep pressing in, my friend. Uh, let me just conclude with a couple of comments. And uh, over the past over the past few decades, there has been a war that has escalated in the academic institutions of our land. It has now permeated into many areas of our today's subcultures. One of its bloodiest battlegrounds is found in the minds of our next generation, our young, and we see that being lived out in so much lawlessness today. The culture of disbelief and the culture of belief are at odds with each other, almost to the point of total polarization. There are ideologues who have put themselves and their personal agendas above the people they say and they claim to care about. Thus, many find themselves today adrift in a turbulent sea of doubt and confusion having lost sight of the shoreline with no compass to guide them. Every cell in the human body has a nucleus. All the activity of this cell revolves around the nucleus. Our solar system has a nucleus too. The sun, the S-U-N, all the planets revolve in a set order around it. In both cases, the nucleus or the center maintains order and prevents chaos. But God is the divine force that brings order to life. He is the nucleus of all that exists. The natural human tendency is to degenerate into chaos, a process we call entropy. A force or nucleus must be present to keep order. And without this order, the natural progression is lawlessness, anarchy, and destruction. I really believe that we are living in a time because the Lord knows the deepest needs of the human soul and spirit. We need desperately to go to our knee posture with vertical worship and recognize that our only hope is in the Lord, the hope of glory, Christ Jesus in us. And I really believe the heart of our nation is the church. And I believe the church, even in our strong opinions and areas of division, should come together what brings us together even more. And so, Dan, thank you for what you're doing with all that you're doing at Somebody Cares Tampa Bay, the 50-day fight, the movie, The Favorite. There's so many things you're involved in. 
and uh, just thank you for your consistency over the years. I do pray that, that we see revival by choice. I do see the, believe the church will come together by choice and not by circumstance and consequence. Any final comments, Dan? No, Doug, just thank you. Thank you for, you know, all your encouragement and, uh, you know, you're one of the uh, key mentors and encouragers in my life. So I just want to thank you for all that you're doing and all your support that you've had for, uh, for us and for my family and uh, throughout the years. So thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. Well, love to the family. Love you guys. And uh, I'm looking forward. I've been with you on the 50 day fight, but we're going to be doing an international one in October, I believe. What's the date? October the, the, 20th. the 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, going to have 20 or so different nations represented. So very excited about that. And Doug's going to be our guest for that. Stay with us and let's keep praying. Let's keep fighting. And tell your son, congratulations. I hear he's getting married. So the desperate prayer didn't just happen in bringing in a movie, but it's bringing in a, a daughter for you as well, a new daughter. Yeah, buddy, that was a that was a desperate prayer too. Get <laughs> <laughs> this guy married. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, God bless you and everybody else. Uh, thank you for joining us today on A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and friends. We are so glad you joined us for this Word in Season with Doug Stringer and our good friend Dan Bernard, who leads Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. If you would like to find out more about the work Dan and his family are doing, you can go to our episode notes and find links to their website or go to sctb.org. They also have links to his son's movie, The Favorite. Be sure to check that out today. As always, we would love to pray for you. You can email us your prayer request at prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call our Somebody Cares America prayer line, 855-459-2273. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.